before I come into the station every morning, I'm over at the at the Aikido dojo, and I train with this minister. And so we get this little joke going in in our class that you know, best part of our day is getting punched in the face by a man of God. <laughs> it's the uh, the very reverend doctor is working something out on the mat. <laughs> This is Interfaith-ish. I'm your host, Jack Gordon. Every other Wednesday, right here on Tacoma Radio, we bring you bold conversations about what we believe, why we believe, and how we navigate the common ground and differences between our traditions. This week, I'm joined in the studio by Welton Bonner, a pastor at Greater Love Church in Northeast D.C., and Abdul Karim Ewing Boyd, a member of the D.C. Baha'i community. Welcome, gentlemen. How are you this morning? Life is good. How are you feeling? All right. How about you, Welton? I can't complain, bro. I can't complain. Good. Glad I'm, to be on here. I'm glad to have you both on here. I will. I will say that sort of my my underlying intention for being for having you both on this show this morning is that I know that both of you are neighbors of a sort. Greater Love Church in Deanwood, yeah. uh, over in Northeast DC, is right around the way from where Kareem and his beautiful family live. So uh, hopefully, um, you know, as this, this, this show is intended to bring people together, neighbors yeah, together mm-hmm. and everything, I'm hoping that we can make some connections between the two I of you. I think so. I think so. I think I might end up in the dojo. With <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We've already had a, a, a great time talking a little bit about martial arts before uh, the, the show started. Um, I know Kareem's probably been up already. For a minute, because we are in the midst of the Baha'i fast. That is right. And uh, I wanted to just start there, Kareem, and and uh, ask you if you could uh, explain a little bit about about the month of the Baha'i fast and and what are some of your goals and intentions that you've set for yourself. Okay, so like most religious traditions, uh, the Baha'i faith has a period of time that is uh, kind of set apart from from the rest of the calendar. Um, the Baha'i calendar is, is 19 months of 19 days with either four or five days of, of kind of intercalary days, um, for community building and, and festival, um, that lead into the last month of the year, which is the month of fasting, which is where we are right now. Um, and so, uh, this period of time is really dedicated to helping, uh, members of the Baha'i community uh remind themselves of their their true nature um and that is that we are uh spiritual beings really having a physical experience right and so that uh and that all parts of this physical world are part of god's revelation to us and for our betterment mm. and so the big thing for me during the month of the fast is really concentrating on this idea that um my kind of animal body, right? This body that I'm that I'm moving around in has these very basic physical needs. The the most obvious of which is food and drink, mm-hmm. right? And so the fact that I can make a rational decision based on my belief in obedience to the word of God to deny a physical desire because I'm not really in any danger of starvation or, or dehydration uh, living in, you know, the largest empire in human history, in the capital of that, that empire. Right. I'm not in any real danger of starvation and, and dehydration as I move through my day. Despite what you might feel by 4 p.m. Right. <laughs> but I'm able to make this, this um, rational decision to control my bodily desires out of a higher desire to obey the commandments of God mm-hmm. that have been made very clear to me through the the, the written revelation of Baha'u'llah. Lots of lofty ideals in yeah. there. I'm curious, are there are there any anything specific that you're working on this particular year in terms of your your own betterment? The peace of mind. Big thing that I'm I'm working on this year is is patience. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I have uh, through the years been able to drop a, a lot of my uh, ties and addictions, but 
caffeine is one of those things <laughs> that has has stuck with me. I, I can go through a, a pot of coffee or so a day, mm. and so um, working on on uh, working on my patients mm. throughout the day, and just really kind of cent- you know recentering and focusing on. Uh, who I am in the moment right. and not getting uh, thrown off off balance by, you know, things happening, you know, throughout, you know, minute to minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, again, kind of dialing back from the, the, the amount of coffee that I'm drinking mm-hmm. uh, on a daily basis. Those are the two things I'm really working on. Which has a twofold benefit, right? Because it's yeah. a big dehydrator anyway. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, got to yeah. get that out of there. Um, you grew up in a Baha'i family, right? I did. So tell us a little bit about that about that journey and were you always so, you know, convicted with your uh religious tradition? Absolutely not. And that's uh <laughs> that's, that's, that's 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 one of those things that, you know, I, I know some folks who have been like fired up and uh deeply convinced of their religious faith, you know, for mm. you know, since they were kids mm. and, and and that's really cool. And that that wasn't the way that I came to um, my understanding of faith. Now, um, so I grew up, like you said, in a Baha'i family. Um, we were in Kansas City, Kansas. Um, my parents, uh, black man from from Alabama and mm. and Eastern Shore, Virginia, mm. and my mother is a, a a white woman from from Southern California. So we had like a deep South, just out of the army mm. guy, mm. and a literally barefoot hippie wow. white woman, natural, <laughs> who, natural. Who, who met serving in communities together down in in uh, in in Mobile, Alabama, and had to like escape. From Alabama, um, because of the their you know because of their their interracial uh, friendship and yeah. and relationship, yeah. um, and so uh, they started their family in California um, and then moved to Kansas City, Kansas to to help support the Baha'i community there, and then um, after. Uh, the the seventh of us was born. Uh, they also decided <laughs> they decided to move to uh, the Low Country in South Carolina mm. to to pioneer and serve the Baha'i community down um, in in Frogmore and then Low Bottom, South Carolina. Mm. So if you're wondering if I'm country, I'm I'm countryer than you. <laughs> country, country. Anybody who comes in here, I can I promise you, I can be countryer than you. Um, so so what what were some of the tests and tribulations that that you went through on your on your path? So just this, uh, you know, growing up in, in, in poverty, really, in, in, in the low country of South Carolina and then later on in Metro Atlanta in Griffin, Georgia, um, you know, growing up on, on all of the programs that, that have letters in it that come from, from Department of Social Services, mm-hmm. growing up in, in communities that were also dealing with poverty. And um, just it's, it's a very frustrating thing. And it's something that a, a lot of folks can can relate to. Just this idea that um, the world is is not a, a, a not a, a really healthy and happy place for most of us. Um, Common has this lyric where he, he says, uh, "The world is cold, but the neighborhood is hot as a stove." Mm-hmm. Right, and so mm-hmm. it's 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 really really hard. Uh, to then be, I was I was 16, uh, 16 years old in Atlanta. I started college at sixteen, so alone without my parents, sixteen in Atlanta. There's just a whole lot going on that yeah. is a lot more interesting than <laughs> either studying in school uh-huh. or studying and keeping to the tenets of the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when I finally got to that point where I realized that um, I was not. I was not happy following my own path. I was not healthy following my own path. I had uh, an experience where I basically, you know, I, I realized that I was living in a way that was spiritually dead. And it was a, it was a frightening episode. And I realized that the way that I was working was not actually working. And so I decided to take on uh, an experiment. I said, I'm going to, you know, I've tried this way and I've had these results, so I'm going to try this other way. I'm going to act as though the the teachings that my parents raised me with are right. I'm going to behave as though uh, the writings of Baha'u'llah are, are correct and that this is the word of God. I'm just going to try it out and see how it goes. And things have only gotten better for me. And so just just uh, as a... as 
as as a believer in in reason, I, I n- know that um, my reasoned approach to faith has led me to a much better and much healthier life that allows me to serve the communities in which I live with greater strength and greater power. Mm. So, Welton, you grew up as a pastor's kid, a PK. Yeah. Um, do you identify with some of the struggles that uh, Kareem talked about growing up? Oh, I mean, absolutely. Uh, I Especially um, when you asked him, uh, did you always believe what your parents believed? And he said, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I love that because <laughs> it sounds like you're going one way and get twisted the other. Um, it, but for me, I, I, I was, I, I grew up and my father, a Marine. Yeah. From Shelby, North Carolina, my mom, his high school sweetheart from Shelby, North Carolina, came up to D.C., started a family, you know. And so he was working for the State Department by that time. And so um, but he was heavily involved in a local church. Actually, it happens to be the same building Mm. that we're in now. And that's a whole nother story. Um, But. So they were serving there, at, and he was a deacon at first and, and minister, and then he beca- got ordained as a reverend. And so um, I'm along with him in this journey, and mm-hmm. he's going to seminary and all these mm-hmm. things. Um, but I would say for me, it was a I, – I, I agreed with my parents as a kid. I'm like, yeah, Jesus – you know, and you ask me questions in Sunday school, and I might know the answer mm. better than you, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I had to correct a few teachers growing up because my father, he was just always on it. You and so, source. exactly. But then, um, as soon as I got enough, I got of age to see girls and I mean, I always saw them as pretty, but then I saw them as really pretty, yeah. and they yeah, smelt yeah, yeah. nice, all right? <laughs> and and so it was like, oh, man, this is great. And then I would go down to the neighborhood park, and the guys would be gambling and having these stacks of cash that and just dropping it like it was nothing. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And so, so I would go to the park every day and play basketball, but then – and over time just kind of got sucked into the street life um and so so but yeah i still had to go to church on sundays and so i had this dual lifestyle mm-hmm. um one in around my parents mm-hmm. and then one at in the streets and then those came into conflict eventually mm-hmm. um and the streets went out big time and so i ended up you know kicked out of the house dropped out of high school mm-hmm robbing and thieving and selling dope on the on the green line um the orange line in the metro and so it was it was definitely um a journey where i got into deep rebellion Mm. and and it was it was an offense to my parents of course and it broke their heart um but there there was a reality check when after i had actually gotten robbed at gunpoint where I had seen um, this vision of a lion and he came and he spoke to me. And, and it was like, it was like, as soon as I saw that vision, cause I'm, my parents are, are sitting across the table, just like we are right now. And, and, and my friend's mom, she's talking about how I was going on a dark path mm. and all of a sudden things went dark and I saw this line and I'm like, what in the world? But then I knew immediately I was caught. Mm. Because of the, you know, the scriptures, which talks about Jesus being the Lion of Judah. And, and he talked to me about how my sin was causing destruction. Um, and so, um, and how I was running from my calling and stuff like that. So I get, I, I get out of that encounter and I leave and, and, and I, I stayed in the house for like one day and then went right back to the streets. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Because yeah, so, it's not a direct line. Right? So, it's it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. So so even after this divine encounter, I still go my own way. Right. Um, but uh, the Lord has a way of chasing us down. And and so um, everything, you know, everything kind of got cataclysmic. But in, in, in jail, in H12 and up in Marlboro. Um, that's where the Holy Spirit just reminded me of everything that my parents had taught me. And I was just listening to the conversations around me because there's a lot of chatter in, in jail um, about how to either be a better crook or all these different philosophies. And and that's when I really it, it, it clicked for me. It was like, no, nah, like they was right. 
Hmm. Like, like the wages of sin is death. You know, the, the gift of God is eternal life. For, you know, and in Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he, and then, and then it talks about how, um, you know, in Jesus saying, "I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me." And it was there where it was like, "This is real." And so that's where I, I really experience. So I, I relate mm-hmm. and going in dark rebellion and kind of going my own way. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. So uh, Welton's Church, Greater Love, and the school where, where Kareem um, is director are both located in Deanwood, uh, Deanwood neighborhood of Northeast mm-hmm. D.C. Um, for our dear listeners who haven't been to Deanwood, mm. can you tell us a little bit about the neighborhood, Kareem? It's it's a uh, it's a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've lived in D.C. for about 17 years. I'm I'm not a native Washingtonian. Won't won't make claim to that. I, I, mm-hmm. My 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 girls are native and 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 are are quick to point out that that I'm not. <laughs> um, um, but it's a it's a beautiful neighborhood. When when we first moved up to D.C., we were over in Northwest, and when we moved over to to Northeast to Deanwood. Uh, one of the first things that I noticed is that uh, we don't we don't have rats like they do over in Northwest. And that, so that's beautiful all by itself. Um, uh, but you know there there are a couple of things about Deanwood that that um, I really like pointing out to folks when when they're visiting, and that is things like um, there there's more green space and park space mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. in Northeast DC mm-hmm. than really any other part mm-hmm. of of the city, mm-hmm. right? Um, Everything from the the Marvin Gaye Park, mm-hmm. which is you know a beautifully transformed piece of of, of green space mm. uh, in the city, um, from from what it was you know back in the '90s when it was known as Needle Park, mm-hmm. right? And so um, to the point that you know Different connotation I, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when I'm when I was walking through Marvin Gaye Park at night one time and came across some deer that had walked along the the riverbed from uh, from the 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 uh, Kenilworth Gardens, mm-hmm. you know, this is this is really um, a a part of the city where um, you can you can live in the city and still uh, have a little bit of space. Mm-hmm. You can still see some trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can still uh, talk to your neighbors, and and there are still uh, you know family parties on the block, things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a it's a wonderful part of town. Mm-hmm. I, I really have enjoyed uh, living there, and I've enjoyed serving there at the at the school mm-hmm. um, at Elsie Whitlow Stokes. And it sounds like Welton, you, your family has a, a long history with the community, yeah. having been there. It sounds like through two churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the the origin story of of Greater Love. Yeah. So long story short, before Greater Love was ever Greater Love, uh, Bible Baptist Church. And Souls Outreach in 1989 merged together and formed New Bible Baptist Church. And throughout the 90s and the early 2000s, they they formed when they joined together, they formed New Bible Baptist, and that and that church existed for about uh, probably about 20 years, maybe mm-hmm. before it folded. Um, and so when my father, because my father's the lead planter and the lead elder at mm. Greater Love Church, and I'm the preaching pastor. Um, and so we have basically all a bunch of pastors on on, on staff. My role is just to preach but um, and other things. But it, so when, when my dad heard that it closed, he and two other elders and their wives just started praying and seeking the Lord about what, what does it, what, what, what would it look like to do a work together because they had been friends in, in ministry for a while. And so that's when it really, um, the Lord opened up the door for us to get, uh, get the building. And despite a lot of obstacles, we actually got the building and it's paid off. Mm, cool. And so we, so we own that space cool. and, and we had that opportunity. So we've been there five years now. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's been a journey, but it is beautiful. What a great legacy for, now three generations, right? Because yeah, your absolutely, kids are coming up. Absolutely. So um, both of you uh, work for uh, work with uh, youth, uh, both the mm-hmm. activities of, of, of your families mm-hmm. and with greater love, um, and and the local Baha'i community mm-hmm. are are addressing some of the the issues of youth in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious if if you can um, tell us a little bit about when you're working with young people, um, whether at work or at home. Um, what are, 
what are some of the the life challenges and their hopes that they're they're expressing to you? Mm. The the thing that comes up often when talking with uh, middle and high school age kids is uh, this this very clear dichotomy between uh, the expectations of them and the expectations for them. On the one hand, you know, you know, we, we you know, you're supposed to go to school, you're supposed to uh, get a job, you're supposed to. There are all these things that they're so, they're supposed to do, mm-hmm. but there's also also all these expectations of youth in in, in our communities that I, I expect you to be uh, a thug, I expect you to mm-hmm. be, um, a, you know, a, a, a young parent. I expect so there mm-hmm. are all of these. Um, there, there's this dichotomy positive of and negative positive and negative dichotomous mm-hmm. expectations mm-hmm. of of kids in the community um, and a community that has been criminally mm-hmm. underserved mm-hmm. for generations upon generations. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, wards seven and eight mm-hmm. have more children, uh, more school age children than any other ward in the city. Yeah. And in fact, more than most. I mean, they they are the majority of school-age children in the city are in Ward 7 and 8, and yet uh, the, the, the number of high-performing schools that mm. are available to those kids versus, say, the number of high-performing Come schools on. that are available in Ward 3, Come on. right? Um, that, it's, it's, it's not okay. Mm. It's not okay. It's not okay that um, there are elementary schools in Ward 3 who have PTAs that have budgets that are six digits and their PTAs, mm. there there are schools in Ward seven mm. and eight that are struggling to keep a PTA or PTA going because mm. they just don't have enough dues to to keep their membership with the national organization up, right? Yeah. And so there there is this um, in the schools. There's this big push towards we got to make sure that their reading and writing scores are up, their math scores are up, which I fully believe in. We got to support kids' education, but. Then at the same time, most schools are then cutting things like arts, music. So the ways that kids would then actually be able to dive into and express their their thoughts, their feelings, the 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 life that they're living, these things are being disconnected from formal education. Mm-hmm. Um, so and so, it's it's one of these things that uh, figuring out ways to. Um, reach kids, let them know that they are seen, they're heard, um, and that uh, there there are some options for them for mm. the rest of their life. Right. Mm. And so, what are some of the activities then that the local Baha'i community is involved with in your neighborhood and community? Um, so, uh, the Baha'i community uh, around the world is involved in some some core activities. There are uh, prayer gatherings that are done uh, in homes or in or in uh, other local areas, and that are open to any and everyone. Um, anybody is welcome to come, sit, and pray, bringing uh, prayers from whatever tradition they're coming from. Because um, I know, as all three of us here sitting know, that there, there's nothing more powerful than the Word of God, and there's nothing that can canalize our. Um, our collective energies and focus what we're doing better than the word of God. And so praying together allows us to then, uh, you know, go out and work together in our community. Um, we do classes um, for, for children uh, in like elementary school age. We do classes for uh, middle school age children um, that are focused on, um, focused on, on virtue and on how to make virtue-based decisions uh, in their life, mm-hmm. you know, teaching kids about what, is it, what does it mean to share? Why are we sharing? What does it mean to be loving? Why, are we, why would we be loving? How can we be loving? Um, and then also uh, engaging children directly in acts of service. How can you support your community by doing things like litter pickups, like um, feeding the homeless, uh, uh, you know, visiting Visit, visiting and praying with the elderly. Mm-hmm. All right, these are things that we're doing mm-hmm. with youth, um, you know, mostly in the evenings or on weekends because that's that's when uh, kids need more support mm-hmm. at, right after school and on the weekend. And you've been in the you've been in Deanwood now for how many years? About five, six years. Five, six yeah. years. And so, have you? Uh, I, I guess what has been your family's specific approach to engagement in this new neighborhood? Right. Um, We've opened our house up for prayers. We use our, our home and a couple other neighbors' homes as 
locations for, for training for anybody who wants to be a part of this um, can, you know, come get, get training and then go out and do children's classes or junior youth classes, which we are also hosting um, at our home and, and at a couple of neighbors' homes. Um, and doing a lot of uh, service uh, in the in the neighborhood. So just about every weekend, um, in and around the home, there are either classes for adults, classes for children, classes for um, for uh, middle school age uh, folks, um, or prayer gatherings that are happening at our home, at a neighbor's home, or at uh, the Capitol View Library, mm -hmm. um, not far from the house. Mm -hmm. Wilson, you're also working with a, a youth ministry, mm -hmm. and so what's the approach for your church for Greater Love? Yeah, great question, and I just want to say something about as far because you asked the question about what are some of the the needs or the struggles of the youth, and I mean you talked about the community, and I and I love what you had to say about about the disparity there, and I think especially with our youth today, there is. Um, I guess I would say two things about their context really briefly. Number one, they just like we did at that age, but we I, they idolized their peers thoughts of them. Mm -hmm. Right. So I can talk to them and be cool, use their lingo, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, <laughs> their peers' thoughts of them govern their behavior yeah, more than anything else. You're an old man, else. no matter what yeah. you exactly. think. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so, We're already old. So I, I just want to say that about all, all teenagers, but then unfortunately in uh, east of the river especially, but they, it, it's all around the city and inner cities in general, but there's this, like you said, about the pressure to be um, NBA young boy who's the latest hottest rapper and he's a unique I mean he he he's multi-dimensional but at the end of the day he loves glorifying being a killer and being a thug and being and and so this is the expectation and that is kind of the standard that is placed on young black males mm. and and so they have to feel like they can live like that to some degree and so there's that and then i would just say there's also in in black communities historically we've had um a lot more at least a grandmother in the church that would set you straight right yep. you yep. acting stupid in your community grandma hear about it or, or or mama or somebody that's that's influential in your life that at least has some type of standard mm -hmm. okay and and value that is in some way influenced by God, okay? Um, uh, but more and more, that generation is dead, and th and their kids are f further removed from that, and they're raising kids, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so some of my youth, I remember, thirteen years old, pregnant, mm -hmm. um, having to care for that family, and yet the family doesn't necessarily see a problem with that cycle. Mm -hmm. The mom was young when she got pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so and then the, the daughter gets pregnant and then her sister gets pregnant in that 13, 14 year old range. And so there, there's, there's a lot going on in these homes that, that these children wake up into. Um, and not all of them are, are bad, but it's just a lot of hurt, a lot of trauma, a lot of brokenness. Mm -hmm. And they have to come to school with that. And what are some so what are some of the initiatives that that your church particular it's a small church yeah, uh, right yes, there sir. in the yes, neighborhood yeah. I assume a lot of the families are also around there in the neighborhood Yeah a, a percentage uh -huh. a, a strong percentage and uh -huh. so um when it comes to um we have movement martial arts and woke academy okay movement martial arts is it's an after school martial arts program um that we host at the church and that is on Mondays and Wednesdays um, and we start at 5.30 and we go till about 7. Um, and so, but then we had it arranged where Woke Academy, which was um, youth would come, even if they didn't want to do martial arts, they would come and, and they would get discipleship, um, it, teachings about who Jesus is, but also life enrichment, um, being able to express themselves, poetry, rap, you know, they had, they went to a, a music studio mm. and, and things of that nature. So the kids loved it, but 
being a small church, at this very moment, the funding shortage is real. Mm -hmm. And trying to get resources for inner city programs, um, especially if you're not government funded, it's it's a struggle getting right. it east of the river that money flow. Right. So, um, but we're getting it back. I'm working I'm working hard to fundraise and get it back. And then lastly, over the summer we have God's Place Summer Camp, mm. um, and that's the whole month of July. And we try to do it at a very affordable price for the for the community because as we know, the the summer months east of the river are some of the bloodiest months, mm -hmm. and we want to keep our, our youth off the streets so that we can have a lot less Micaiah Wilsons. So, Welton, you just touched on, on something that I wanted to, to follow up with. You know, obviously violence in the neighborhood mm -hmm. throughout D.C., a huge issue just this past week, yeah. weekend. Oh, you know, a large number of, of youth and, 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 and folks of all ages lost their lives. Actually, right in my neighborhood, just down the block from us, we had a shooting. So this is something that people are dealing with every day. Mm -hmm. um, you're involved with uh, a Stop the Violence campaign, um, so I'm just curious to hear yeah. a little bit about about those efforts in there. Yeah, so Silence the Violence, um, we started that 20 night, New Year's Eve into the new year, 2018-2019, um, and we just had a sponsorship, and we brought in a, a bunch of artists and we brought the community in as best as we could that day and it was a blast and so we we began that campaign um and so we just wanted to get people together and commemorate the lives of those that we lost but also encourage the youth um to combat it themselves and so um and we partnered with Peace Fellowship. Um, there's a pastor named Delonte Golston, a dear brother of mine who's doing great work with Peace Walks um, in the mm -hmm. city, throughout the community. Um, and so we partnered with him to have it at Idea Public Charter School. And then um, something dynamic happened throughout the year um, because I had gotten connected with a family and who had lost their 18-year-old son due to gun violence and I preached his funeral. Um, and then I stayed connected with that family and they were in the Kenilworth area, mm -hmm. um, which is another part of, it's kind of like Deanwood, but it's, it's across the, across the bridge, across 295 there. So they have their own dynamic as well. Um, and so uh, me, and, me and my buddy though, we just went on a walk just to pray and and walked together and we ended we ended up in Kenilworth um gardens um and and we ended up talking to a young man there and he invited us to a vigil for his friend mm. and there i met miss antoinette um and we she was like i'm gonna call you tomorrow i'm gonna call you she called me and she asked me to do his funeral wow. and so we stayed connected after i preached the funeral we still stay in touch to this day and um but we we ended up doing another outreach in Kenilworth and we had, you know, we, we brought the food, we did giveaways and man, I, and we did it um, in memory and in honor of Trayvon Wood, her son, mm. um, who who's, who passed and and the whole community came out, man. Mm -hmm. And it was just a, a time of healing, a time where we got to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and, yeah. and talk about the hope that we have in Jesus. And and it was beautiful. And so we've been in the process of following up with that more frequently. Um, and so, so yeah, we we just trying to find ways to build in ingrain our lives with lives of the community and find ways to combat it. And so a lot of our work is preventative maintenance um, by doing frequent things, kind of like you talked about with prayer gatherings and discipleship and woke academy, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. But it's also advocacy, too, in, in particular ways, especially with the families yeah. who have been hurting. You know, one of the things that both of you talked about, and we mentioned this at the beginning, was is this involvement with martial arts. Mm -hmm. So, Kareem, one of the things I wanted to ask you about as well is, as a uh, somebody who's involved heavily with with education, but also in youth and youth in your in your volunteering work, um, how do you see martial arts as a way um, for youth to to practice spiritual and physical readiness um, to disrupt violence? Um, so. First of all, I, uh, just in, in this context, I always want to make sure that I, I recognize and thank uh, Grandmaster Diane P. Jones for for mm. her decades of work mm. um, over in the Petworth uh, community. Uh, mm. Grandmaster Diane P. Jones has been uh, working with with young people in, in Southeast D.C. and in Petworth uh, for for 
decades. She mm-hmm. has uh, promoted uh, nearly 60, uh, mostly young people from Petworth in, uh, as, as black belts over the, over the course of her career mm-hmm. um, with the martial arts. She's a phenomenal woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anytime I talk about the martial arts, I, I want to make sure that folks know that name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grandmaster Diane P. Jones is a dear, dear woman, and I, I, just, I, I love her to death. Um, and so uh, one of the things to, that, that uh, I always talk about when I'm talking about martial arts with folks is that the purpose for, um, the purpose for doing martial arts, in, in my mind, is um, not about being uh, 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 you know, the big bad man. Um, and it's not for me, it's not even about self-defense. I know a lot of people would talk about they, they, they do it self-defense and that, that's not what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about community defense. All right. This is, um, Mm -hmm. when, when we first moved into the neighborhood in Petworth, my wife was very pregnant and, uh, had our, our oldest daughter with her and walking from the grocery store with grocery bags and a couple of young men asked her, can, can I help you carry your bags, right? Mm-hmm. Find out later, you know, as, you know, as we've been there for a couple more years, these are a couple of, uh, of who are now some of my brother black belts um, at, at DACA 2 Martial Arts Academy. Mm-hmm. And it's just this idea mm-hmm. that um, this is our community and everybody mm-hmm. in our community deserves to feel safe mm-hmm. and, uh, and welcomed in the community. So... Um, you know, when I'm talking about doing martial arts with young people, it's always about, um, you know, you, you are never attacking somebody ever. Mm. Right. Mm. And if it's just you, you know, you try to diffuse as much as possible, Mm -hmm. but if somebody is making an old lady afraid, you step up right away because it's not about you. It's about um, it's about making sure that the community is well, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so when you sublimate your own ego, and that, and it, you know, all three of us are mm-hmm. involved in martial mm-hmm. arts, and, and if you have not learned about uh, your ego getting put down over and over and over again when you hit the floor, when you catch that foot to the face, you, <laughs> you know, if, when you're learning about sublimating your ego for, um, for, a goal mm. and for and and in a community of people who are working towards that goal that's that is the thing about doing martial arts that that i i really really um love mm. when working with young people and when thinking about um the application of some sort of uh physical exercise to my spiritual reality mm. Dear listeners, this is Interfaith-ish, our bi-weekly show on WOWD 94.3 FM, where we discuss the common ground and differences between our traditions. I'm your host, Jack Gordon, and this morning we've been talking with Welton Bonner, pastor of Greater Love Church in Northeast D.C., and Abdul Karim Ewing Boyd, a member of the D.C. Baha'i community. In the first half of our program, we heard about our guests' journeys and practices and their work in the community. And now, as we do every episode, we turn the mics over to our guests to ask some questions of their own. This is an opportunity for you to ask each other anything you'd like to follow up on about each other's spiritual journeys or practices or life stories, anything that you are familiar today that you want to follow up on or learn more about, anything that you realize you may have misunderstood. On our show, we seek to model constructive and respectful dialogue in the Mm. spirit of learning, while at the same time not being afraid to roll up our sleeves and get into some (laughs) interfaith-ish. So with that, I'll turn it over to Welton and Kareem for some questions. Thank you very much, sir. So one of the things that that I'd like to uh, talk about some is... Um, Jack mentioned that you're, you're, you're a pastor, right? Mm-hmm. You, you come mm-hmm. from a, a family of people who are involved in ordained ministry, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, one of the principles of the, the Baha'i faith is this idea of independent search for mm-hmm. truth that we, that each one of us is, is responsible for mm-hmm. going to the, going to the word directly for mm-hmm. ourselves. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I, I know that there there are some differences between, say, the Orthodox or Roman Catholic communities mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. some of the Protestant communities mm-hmm. about the uh, the individual relationship yeah. with God. So I'm I'm wondering yeah. what um, what do you what do you feel like the mm-hmm. role of 
a pastor or oh, or, or, or preacher is in in the community when it comes to the yeah, individual sir, sir, relationship no, with that's God. A great question. I I appreciate you asking that. Um, so in our Baptist tradition, we have what we call the priesthood of all believers. Mm-hmm. Um, and in First Peter, he talks about we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Um, and so we look at that and we say every believer is a temple of the Holy Spirit, which is unique according to the tabernacle in the in the Jewish scriptures where um, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon every believer. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is this is radical because, the, the you know, and so we believe that every believer has a spirit. And so that we 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 ingrained that there, and we want every believer to be pursuing the truth and growing in their understanding. However, as we are a one body, there are individualized gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to each believer. Mm-hmm. And so, and when we were in the car, I was praying for my wife, who has a gift of hospitality and discernment, that that God would just continue to strengthen her in that gift. Um, and encourage her in that gift and and use it to encourage others. And so um, I believe my gift is of the pastor teacher and mm-hmm. evangelist mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and some prophecy, too. But we could talk about that. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, so so in that I, God has given certain individuals, not as if they're superior um as in more clo- as if they're closer to God because I know that there's lay people that are <laughs> more faithful in their prayer lives right, and things right. of that nature um, and more devoted long term and more mature in their faith but there's some that just have that gift in the body that understand the truth and can articulate it to the body in a okay. way that is uh, that is um, consistent with the whole counsel of God's word. And so I would say that I'm one of those people, and that's why I've been cultivating that gift over the years. Um, and so I think that it's it it's a unique thing because there's equality, in, according to Ephesians 4, but then there's also individuality mm-hmm. that's beautiful. And so there's some authority and accountability, but then it's also, no, like we all are responsible. Right. And they're responsible to hold me accountable to the word mm-hmm. of God too. Cause if I'm going around preaching st- something that's not consistent with God's revelation, um, and, and then I need to be corrected. Right. Even if it's by a lay person. Right. And so that's where that, that priesthood of all believers comes. I think that's a great question. Did cool. I answer it? Either? I think so. Okay. Thank you. Okay. And so I was thinking about, and, and this is where I'm, I'm going to literally roll up my sleeve because I, I, I want to ask this with as much grace and 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 because um, and, I, I really appreciate you guys having me on here. Um, I'm just thinking about with the Baha'i faith mm-hmm. um, there. If I'm understanding it correctly, there is um, I watched a few videos and things of that nature. And I talked I actually met a, a young lady at a conference and we sat and we were eat, we, we happened to be beside each other. And um, at the at the table and she was explaining it to me, too. So I've kind of gotten a little briefing, but I don't know it that well. Um, But from what it sounds like is that God has given particular messengers for a particular time. Mm -hmm. um, And that includes uh, Moses, Jesus, um, Muhammad, um, uh, Zoroaster. Zoroaster. Yeah. And and then the 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 revelation that he's given in this time is Baha'u'llah, right? Yeah. Um and so and and they would say that the revelation is given towards the needs of the the time, mm-hmm. right? And so it's kind of adapted and evolved um like the analogy I heard was like an iPhone has updates for, you know what I mean? It, that's the analogy I heard. It was a Baha'i guy. I didn't, I didn't say it. It was a Baha'i guy. So if you don't like that one, y'all can talk to him. Um, and so, but nevertheless, and, and so I asked, so they're saying all of those messengers were, were of God. Um, but I, I guess my, my question is, how do we main, how do you all um, maintain or say that your your faith has intellectual in- integrity mm-hmm. when there is when when you can kind of for lack of a better words kind of select certain um features of prior revelation mm-hmm. 
and say that they're consistent for all time mm-hmm. and 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 reject others. Mm-hmm. And so how do you maintain that? This is a question that that, that comes up often, right? Um, the the idea of progressive revelation is something that um, that can be a challenge for for some folks in their in their um, in their approach to really all of the revealed religions, the Abrahamic traditions mm-hmm. in particular, right? Um, because in the Abrahamic traditions, we 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 do have this very obvious through line of you know from Abraham to Moses uh, to Jesus, mm-hmm. and then you know if you if you are you know carry that further for for the for the Quranic uh, folks to Muhammad, you know there's this family through line um, and this revelatory through line where uh, we see that the same spiritual teachings are there throughout but the uh the the community day you know some of the community day-to-day laws um shift over time and so seeing that inside of the abrahamic tradition is one of those things that um a lot of folks within that tradition can see right we can as 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 folks who grew up uh, around the Christian faith, you can look back and say, okay, Mosaic law makes sense to me. Abrahamic law makes sense mm-hmm. to me. There is a connection between the gospel of, of mm-hmm. Jesus mm-hmm. and the, the teachings of Abraham. Mm-hmm. These, um, this, this idea of the absolute submission to what God says mm-hmm. um, and, the, and, and following, the, following the path that he has decreed, that's something that we can see as a through line, mm-hmm. right? Um, but at the same time, uh, we have uh, catfish fries at, at at churches, and you know our our Jewish brethren would be like, "No, nah, we can't have right, catfish right, right. and crab legs," mm-hmm. right? But we can still say that you know, well, the folks on the on the on the Christian side of of that through line can say, mm-hmm. "Well, yes, there's still that connection." Mm-hmm. to the Abrahamic traditions. Um, and, and Muslims would, would say the same thing. I have this, they, they would be able to say, I have this connection with the gospel of Jesus. And, and as, a, as a Baha'i, um, the, and the Baha'i faith also does claim to be part of that Abrahamic tradition. I can say I have a connection with Quranic law. I have a connection with, with Judaic law. I have a connection with the, with the, the laws and teachings of Jesus. Um, it does get then a little bit, um, sometimes a little bit more difficult to then have the conversation. We'll say, you know, the the, the teachings of, of Buddha and the teachings of Zoroaster, the teachings um, of, of Krishna um, are also connected. Um, but again, when we go back to what what is at the basis of what all of these folks are teaching, all of these religious traditions are saying, obey God first and foremost. And the way that you obey God first and foremost is you take care of his children, right? We're we're all fathers here. The three of us are all fathers. And I know, I know that when people treat my children well, Mm. I love them. Mm. (laughs) Even even better when they, if they're nice to me, cool. But if they're nice to my kids, Mm. oh, I I love them then, right? Mm. And so I know firsthand that when God says, if you love me, love my children, Mm -hmm. all right? And that's something that I see in every religious tradition. Some of the the day-to-day social aspects change over time because who is my neighbor, who is the community has grown and changed so dramatically over time, right? Um, Where now I can have a personal relationship with somebody who lives in Japan mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because we have this updated iPhone that mm-hmm, you, you were mm-hmm, talking about. Mm-hmm. And that, so the idea of a world community and what the social aspects of how we live together, um, that's just going to be different than when Jesus had to make sure that the Jewish doctors understood, yeah, that's your neighbor right there, the one that you can see, that's mm-hmm. your neighbor. Right. And now we're saying even the one that you can't see, that's your neighbor. And so what what are what are the teachings that are going to be needed to 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 
keep us together as mm -hmm. a united people in this world that that's what has shifted some over time um the explicit recognition of the equality of women and men mm -hmm. um is something that is a little bit different than previous revelations right it it was hinted at it was spoken of in 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 the quran spoken of um and you were talking about the equality of of all the the members of the the body mm -hmm. of the church right but explicitly stating that um, not only are women and men equal, but that the world cannot progress until men make it a primary concern of ours that we are bringing about the full equality of women in, in, in our society. Um, so that, that, that's what I would say, that there are these basic spiritual truths that are always mm -hmm. the same. Love God, obey him, care for his children, mm -hmm. right? And then the, the, some of the day-to-day things might shift um fast you know fasting for uh for lent is different than fasting for the 19 days of the baha'i fast mm -hmm. but the purpose is still the same recognizing that god has control even over my body speaking of fast this hour has gone fast oh. yes. <laughs> yes. as always we uh we we are coming to the close of our conversation with with many more ideas to mm. explore and as I said at the beginning of the conversation, um, I hope in, in selecting these two neighbors that there'll be future opportunities for, for the two of you to connect and to build That's together yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and perhaps uh, hit the mat together over, <laughs> over, over at uh, the martial arts classes at Greater Love. Dear listeners, you've been listening to Interfaith-ish on WOWD 94.3. I'm your host, Jack Gordon, and I want to thank my guest, Welton Bonner, pastor at Greater Love Church in Northeast D.C. Uh, Welton, uh, URL, website, people can go to find um, out about Greater Love? GreaterLoveChurchDC.org. GreaterLoveChurchDC.org, and you can follow us on the social media, Greater Love Church. And I assume uh, the classes and programs that you were talking about for the youth opened to yes, everybody? Sir. Yes, sir. Wonderful. Oh, everybody, no matter your religious faith, everybody's welcome. Every, no matter your, your sexuality, everything, Great. everybody welcome. Wonderful. And Abdul Karim Ewing Boyd, a member of the D.C. Baha'i community, thank you also for joining me. So very glad to be here. I wish you a spiritually enriching fast. Mm. Yeah, Sans coffee. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, ways to find out about the DC Baha'i community? Uh, DCBaha'i.org is the, the, the best place to go to find information about uh, activities in the Baha'i community in Washington, DC, and you can also find us on Facebook. Great, and that's DCBaha'i.org. Yep. Wonderful. Thank you both for joining me. Thank, Thank you, you sir. Dear listeners, that's a wrap on this week's Interfaith-ish. As always, I want to give a shout-out to my fellow Interfaith-ishtronauts, Miranda Hovemeyer and Sue Katz-Miller, and our musical master, Jeff Philosopher. And thank you, dear listeners, for spending your hour with us. You can find our entire back catalog of Interfaith-ish episodes wherever you find quality podcasts. We're also on social media, at Interfaith-ish. And you can keep writing us about the Interfaith-ish you wish to dish at interfaithish at gmail.com. That's I-N-T-E-R-F-A-I-T-H-I-S-H at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail on our special listener line, 202-599-2953. Interfaith-ish will be back in two weeks. Until then, keep it locked to WOWD 94.3 FM for great music and programs seven days a week. Streaming online at TacomaRadio.org.